Welcome, everybody. <laughs> another, another Tuesday talk. It's glad to have everybody here. We're having some trouble with our Instagram live stream. If it gets sorted out during the talk, excellent. Uh, if not, we'll be posting this as an IGTV later anyways. Great. Um, so first things first, we have a wonderful speaker with us today. Um, Dr. Louise, I'll give a very, very super brief introduction and she can you know, kind of take it from there. She's the editor of the Middle East Journal of Positive Psychology, as well as a researcher and a psychologist. She's interested in sharing tools for positive psychology and to help people live happier and more fulfilling life. I think that's a, that's a fantastic goal to have in life is to make everybody happier and make everybody's life more fulfilling. Um, if you could kind of you know, take over, <laughs> <laughs> if you got to take over and you know, introduce yourself a little bit more, that'd be awesome. I would love to do so. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I always think these things are a lot of fun and they're kind of cool. So um, my goal tonight is just to share a little bit of info with you, but also uh, to hear, you know, some feedback from the crowd as well. And uh, just to kind of, yeah, get to talk about something a little bit new, maybe something a little bit different than what you might ordinarily talk about on, uh, in, in, in these contexts anyways. So would you like me just to start? Yes, please. That would be great. Why don't you yeah, just jump in okay. and tell us a little bit about what you're going to talk about today and then Perfect. let's get moving. Okay, fantastic. So um, I'm going to talk about positive psychology. And this is really the what we call the empirical science of well-being and happiness. It sounds, uh, you know, quite grand. So I'm going to try and demystify a little bit of that topic for you tonight and just to talk a little bit about what it is, but also more importantly, what it is not. And then of course, at the end, I'm uh, happy to answer any questions. I do research in the field of subjective well-being and also uh, on culture as well here in the region. So I'm hoping there might be some interesting, interesting tidbits that come out of there, but I'm also gonna give you two little strategies that you can try if you want to be happier, maybe you don't, I don't know. Um, and uh, also just share a little bit of what, again, positive psychology is and just sort of understanding the difference between mainstream psychology and positive psychology can be helpful in and of itself. So uh, am I able to share my, my slides? I think I can. Um, okay, so what is positive psychology? Um, it is new in the region, but it's actually not that new. So it was officially launched in 1998, probably in 2000, uh, more officially. And positive psychology, there's two words there, and people typically just focus on the positive, but they forget the other word, and that is psychology. So it is a proper branch of psychology. It follows the exact same empirical method, the scientific means of studying particular phenomena. The only thing is that it studies something slightly different than mainstream psychology, which I'll touch on uh, in a moment. But just so you know, though, that positive psychology has grown tremendously, and today it really forms part of um, government policy, educational curriculum, both in schools and universities. It also forms part of organizational learning and development. Um, and it, it recently, it's also now forming part of the global economy. So this year in the World Happiness Report for the first time, 
um, a few researchers looked at what is the correlation between well-being and sustainable development goals. So we're finally starting to tie the bigger social context to the individual consequences. Uh, and this is where we see that positive psychology is a lot more than just happy, happy stuff. But in fact, it is providing the foundation or the basis for uh, better living, but also better communities and better nations and, and a better global way of, uh, of moving forward. So one of the best ways that we can um, describe positive psychology is by backing up a little bit and talking about mainstream psychology and, and really contrasting that. And this is where the differences become quite obvious. So if we look at mainstream psychology, um, these are sort of many of the topics that we look at. And the idea in mainstream psychology is that we start off from a negative point, a problem, a state of distress, something that is wrong in some way. It could be at the individual level or at the social level as well, thinking of things like crime and social unrest. Um, and the idea is that we try to remove this. We remove it, we minimize it, we uh, remediate it in some way, but we try to make it less bad. And that's a good thing because when you're going through divorce, for example, depression, anxiety, whatever it may be, you really want that to stop. And so mainstream psychology has quite good tools and techniques to make the bad less bad. Now, the only issue with that, of course, um, is that um, going from a negative to a less negative is good, but most of us want to have a better life than just being eh, not so miserable. We also want to have amazing, brilliant lives and want to get up in the morning and feel like we've gotten up for a reason. So positive psychology um, does things slightly differently. Instead of looking at what we can remove from people's lives, we go a little bit past that and we look at what could we add to people's lives. So we do this, uh, again, by using the exact same scientific method, uh, the same measurement tools, uh, the same sort of empirical strategies, but we just use different topics um, for one, but we also necessarily have different theoretical models, different theoretical constructs, different things that we actually measure. So instead of measuring depression as an indicator of a good life, we would measure the presence of positive emotions, for example, as an indicator of a good life. And before you think that mainstream psychology is just the opposite of positive psychology, it's actually not. It's really, it's really looking at life on a continuum, if you will. So if we back up just a little bit, if you're going through a divorce and we remove that divorce, I mean, that's a good thing because it's not bad anymore, but it doesn't necessarily mean you suddenly find yourself in a good relationship. Same if you're in a relationship where there's a lot of arguments and we find, we help you find a way to argue less. Arguing less is good, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a positive relationship where you're having good relationships, you're having good conversations, you're enjoying one another's company. It could just mean you're sitting in silence and not yelling at each other. So positive psychology, again, is not just about removing the negative, but it's really looking at how do we build on the positive? How do we bring these things into people's lives? So that's one of the ways in which positive psychology differs from mainstream psychology is around the what. 
There's another way in which positive psychology differs, and this is looking at the who. So in mainstream psychology, we tend to focus on people who are kind of here at the bottom of the scale, people who are really struggling with depression, but it could also be just negative emotional experiences of any kind. So this could be anxiety, different forms of mental illness, etc. So I've just called it depression, just to keep it simple. Um, and the thinking for a long time in mainstream psychology used to be that if we just remove depression from people's lives, suddenly, ta-da, we'd have all these happy people. And in fact, that's not really the way it goes. Um, the other thing that's important to know is that if we look at the whole continuum of people, the percentage of people that are actually clinically depressed out of the entire population is actually quite small. And I'm not saying that to minimize depression, but it's simply to say it's definitely not the majority of people. So if we only focus on people who have a problem, that means everybody else who does not necessarily have a problem in a serious enough way to qualify for help actually would get no attention in psychology. Positive psychology says, well, actually, everybody could benefit from something. And if the, quali if the qualification is that you need a problem to get attention in some way, then we're going to be missing everybody. So positive psychology broadens the scope, and we don't only just look at people who are struggling with depression or negative emotional experiences, but we also look at other categories. And there's two other new words here that you may or may not have heard of. These are terms that are very specific to positive psychology. And the, and the one in the middle um, is what we call languishing. Now, languishing is not necessarily depressed, but it's also not necessarily happy. So I kind of call this Groundhog Day. Languishing is just sort of Meh. just kind of going through the motions. You get up, but you just kind of, you know, do what you're supposed to do, but there's, there's no real joy there, but there's not depression either. So it's not terrible, but it's not great. And it turns out um, that there's an awful lot of us who are in this languishing state. So a guy called Corey Keyes, um, good luck guy. Uh, he teaches at Emory University in Atlanta and he really did studies, population level studies, looking at how many people are actually depressed, languishing and flourishing. And it turns out that this group of people who are languishing, again, is about the majority. But what's more important about people who are languishing is that if you stay in a period of languishing for long enough, the odds ratio of you becoming depressed over time are 86% over a 10 year period. So in plain English, what that means is if you're not rocking your life, the chances of you sliding back into depression are actually pretty high. So again, from a psychology perspective, we only deal with people once they're at their worst almost. But what we should be focusing on is them at that kind of I'm really bored state, kind of just going through the motions, not getting enough out of life, that's where we should be targeting people because unfortunately that's where many of us are, myself included, on many days. The other group of people that positive psychology also looks at, and I like to call these these magical unicorns <laughs> because they are about six to eight percent of the population. They're also quite rare. Um, these are people who are flourishing, and these are the people who get up in the morning 
and who are excited to go to work. They have great relationships. They feel a sense of meaning and purpose and life's just wonderful. And you look at these people and you think, what coffee are you drinking? Because it's definitely not what I'm drinking. They're really quite, you know, a little bit strange in their, uh, their happiness. Um, and there's not a lot of these people, but positive psychology does study them a lot because it tells us what happiness looks like and what it is about. And we used to study the absence of depression as though it could tell us something about happiness, but it turns out that was a mistake. And now we're studying a lot more of these flourishing people to figure out what's the secret? How do you actually get there? What is it you do to feel so great? And how could the rest of us be doing some of that as well? So that's the who. Now, the necessary question is, okay, so what's the how? So traditional psychology, um, as you know, focuses on reducing negative emotional experiences. So again, I just put depression, but it could be anxiety, it could be different forms of mental illness, it could be a number of different things. And that's good, it works. So things like cognitive behavioral therapy are actually quite good at reducing depression. However, it's really only a job half done. And I'm not bashing the field. I am a psychologist and I used cognitive behavioral therapy for many years. But what I noticed is that people just kept coming back. And they kept coming back and they kept coming back because we didn't move them past the zero mark far enough and they kept sliding back down into depression. So positive psychology also recognizes the same thing. They do something slightly different. They look at reducing depression. They also look at increasing happiness. Now, you might be thinking, well, what, what do we mean by happiness? We'll get to that in a moment. Um, but really, we're looking at things like we call subjective well-being, life satisfaction. It could be the experience of positive emotions as well, meaning, purpose. All of these are really what we call proxies for happiness. But to make a long story short, we don't just look at reducing the negative, we also look at increasing the positive to do a job fully done. How do we do that? We do that by something called positive psychology interventions or PPIs for short. And these PPIs, you'll find them in the empirical literature. They're all over the place. And I'll give you an example uh, shortly, but these PPIs initially were tested on people who struggle with clinical depression. So they were designed for clinical populations. Now, since then, the happiness industry has taken these <laughs> and now we've spread them to everybody, which is great because everybody can benefit from them. But just so you know that that is where they were initially tested. Are these effective? Yes. So uh, over the past 20 years, we've done what are called meta-analyses. So meta-analyses are studies of other studies, basically, um, and trying to figure out, does this particular technique work on, again, negative emotional experiences? Yes, it does, as well as positive emotional experiences and states of well-being, and yes, it does. So when we test these, many of these interventions Sometimes we test them at one, three, six, and 12 months out relative to a control group that does not get the same intervention. And we see that indeed they are effective. Not only are they effective, but other um, clinical trials, clinical studies have shown that they are just as, and in some cases more effective than cognitive behavioral therapies 
or medication for depression uh, in particular. Now, a lot of people go, well, hold on, do these things only work in the West? No, they don't. So I've run a couple of my own studies uh, here in the UAE. Other researchers are currently testing them now in Saudi. There's been lots of studies in Iran uh, and a number of um, different countries uh, around the region. And what we find is that even though there are different cultural orientations or understandings to happiness, these PPIs still nevertheless uh, work here as well. So in case you are interested, um, a guy called Tayyab Rashid, actually, um, who's at the University of Toronto, he's the one who really started this clinical positive psychology. Uh, and he's got lots of research there as well. So since these meta-analyses, what we know is that they are uh, definitely effective for depression. We've also been using them now for symptoms of schizophrenia with success, um, uh, different symptoms of mental illness uh, and anxiety as well. So these PPIs, we're starting to apply them uh, everywhere actually. So in essence, when we look at it, uh, these PPIs or positive psychology from this direction, what we see is that this actually becomes a very effective strategy, not only for treatments, from the negative to zero, but also for prevention. Uh, people who are in this languishing state, and if we leave them there for too long, they eventually slide down into depression and then we end up needing to treat them. So it acts as a form of prevention, but it also acts as a form of promotion. So effectively, we can use these positive psychology interventions on everybody in psychology, everybody in the population you do not need to be diagnosed with anything. You do not necessarily need to be struggling with anything. Um, we can take anybody from a negative, a zero, a positive, and bring them up the scale. And this is a very distinct difference from mainstream psychology. So again, I, I'm not, I, I say that because sometimes psychologists will be like, you're bashing what we do. And I'm like, but I do the same as you do. Um, and, you know, and the reason I say this is because when I first started practicing, uh, I was using a lot of CBT as well. And then I sort of saw the light, if you will, and I started running these happiness programs based on positive psychology. And I remember my one client, um, a woman who had been in therapy for years, um, at the end of the six week program, she came to me and she said, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm extremely upset with you. And I was like, really? Oh no, what happened? And I was quite worried. And she said, for the first time in my life, I'm actually starting to be happy. I'm starting to experience positive emotions. And I'm quite upset about that. And I'm like totally confused. I'm like, I, I just, I still don't get it. And when she explained, I suddenly felt really very sheepish as the psychologist. Um, and the reason is, she said, I've been in therapy for probably 40 years of my life. I have spent thousands of dollars on telling my story over and over and over again, examining why I feel a certain way, exploring all my negative emotions, analyzing these, dissecting these, and yet for the first time in your silly little six-week course, you have finally taught me how to be happy. And I didn't know how to do that. And if somebody had just taught me how to do that a long time ago, I could have saved myself all these years. And I thought that was quite profound. And, and I found this photo um, and it, it, it sort of struck me in the same way. So it's kind of like we're telling you, well, go change your own light bulb. 
will give you the tools and strategies, will even give you the ladder, but the ladder never actually reaches the ceiling. And then when you can't effectively get as high as you want to go, then we kind of look at you and say, well, what's your problem? We've given you the tools, we've even given you the ladder, but the ladder's never tall enough. And so positive psychology really makes sure that we give you more of the ladder than you need um, to deal with those negative emotions, but also to be able to build positive emotions. So it is really looking at the whole spectrum of human emotions and giving you the tools to be able to build those uh, in a way that you don't need to be sort of sliding back down or at risk for sliding back down. So when we think about these PPIs again, what are these? Um, so PPIs, again, positive psychology interventions, seem almost silly. They seem almost really simple. Um, they might be things like gratitude, which you've heard about. It's all over the media. Um, it, it could be things like mindfulness. It could be things like savoring. It could be things like capitalization. So there's probably about 60 different positive psychology interventions that we've been testing for the past two decades and they work um, and they're they work because they're based on a number of different mechanisms um, one of those mechanisms is that they deepen relationships so I'm going to focus on this angle tonight but just know that there's many different ways to feel more positive emotional experiences and why do I focus on relationships well I think culturally this is more in sync um, with kind of many of the, the cultural orientations in this part of the world. Relationships matter. It's not that relationships don't matter in the West, but in collective societies, they probably matter a little bit more than maybe in individualistic societies. Um, and relationships matter for a couple of reasons, not just the obvious stuff, you know, they give you support, it's somebody to hang out with, it's somebody to talk to. But what relationships really do for us is they allow us to understand where the boundaries of reality are. And that might sound a little strange, but if you've ever spent a couple of days on your own, or maybe even a couple of weeks, maybe your family went away for summer, for whatever reason you had to stay behind, um, or if you've just spent even a long, just longer than normal time by, your, by yourself, um, what a lot of people find is that they can quickly start to unravel. You're alone with your thoughts. You start maybe catastrophizing, magnifying, thinking about this, thinking about that. You kind of go back to the past. You move too far ahead into the future. You start getting anxious, you start getting depressed, and suddenly there's no, there's no break on your thoughts. And it gets very hard for you to be able to rein in those thoughts. And that's where other people are helpful. Sometimes they can just come right out and say to you like, no, <laughs> why are you saying that? Or it's even just their body language or uh, facial expressions, just the cues that they give us help us kind of go, oh, okay. And so positive relationships, but just relationships in general, really help us keep almost a, a grip on, on our own thoughts, if you will. And um, they also bring out good sides of us. So if you notice, maybe if you're going down your friend list, some friends bring out a certain side of you. Maybe you're kind of that quirky, nerdy person with certain friends. And then with other friends, you're kind of that daredevil who's going to say, let's go dancing. Right? And 
you know, having this wide variety of relationships really helps us um, become fuller people in ourselves. So then the trick becomes, how do we foster positive relationships? How do we make sure that these relationships stay intact, but also how do we make sure that these relationships are good for us? How do we nurture these so that when we need them, they are there and they're able to hold us up in a way um, and, and not have to be scrambling um, when we need them and then they're not there. And then you've got the extra problem of now having to find support. So um, here's your first little PPI, if you will. If you've got your phone, you can pull it out. And you're going to go down your WhatsApp list. Here's where you can go ahead and send a text while you're listening to a webinar. And I want you to find at least one person, but hopefully two, hopefully three, but at least do one. And I just want you to do this really simple little exercise and think of three things you really like about that person. So this was a, a note um, one of my clients had written years ago about her husband. Um, maybe you can read a little bit up at, at the bottom, you know, pushes me to be better, sense of humor, he's really funny, um, supportive in all of my dreams, optimistic, gets me, um, builds me up when I fail. So your list may be longer, uh, maybe a little bit shorter, doesn't matter. It might even be something like, good dresser, makes me laugh. <laughs> or, um, you know, every time I have a, a weird, strange idea, helps to rein me in it could be anything but I want you to go ahead and send a text to that person right now and just say yeah I'm kind of like in this webinar and I need to send you the three things I like about you the most and here they are so go ahead take a few seconds you can do that I just had final exams today and uh, yeah, I think most of my students are maybe upset with me, but uh, three good things. I just wanted to thank you for making the course fun and enjoyable during these terrible times. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Anyway, that was totally unprompted. Fantastic. Now you might think really is doing this little three good things exercise going to dramatically transform my life. It's not going to dramatically transform your life, but it, it might. So couple of reasons or a couple of ways that might do that. When you focus on somebody else and force yourself to find these three good things about them, it pulls you out of your own thoughts and it helps you to find good characteristics in other people. When we find good characteristics in other people, we it could be easier to find those same characteristics in us or at least we're slightly kinder to ourselves because we've just done it for somebody else. It would be weird now to start cutting ourselves down. So if you're struggling with trying to find positive things about yourself, try to find them in other people and let them know. Another way in which this is helpful, so only do it with people that you actually want the relationship to improve, uh, is that it will improve the relationship. Now they might write back to you and say, are you okay? Is there anything wrong? They might be a little bit weirded out by this, but um, it does have kind of a warming or a softening effect on relationships. So one of the ways you can use this is with somebody that you're really struggling with, somebody who's maybe irritating you, somebody who's annoying you, somebody maybe you're even fighting with. Force yourself to send them a text to say, you know what, despite what's happening right now, 
here are three things that I think are awesome about you. Let's talk tomorrow. You can also set this up as a little habit. You can put a little timer on your phone and maybe three times a week you're going to go down your list. You might do it in alphabetical order. So maybe this week is going to be everybody that has a name starting with an A. Next week it's B. Week after it's C, as you like. But the idea with these PPIs is also to bring them on as a lifestyle change, to make them part of your habitual practices, just like going to the gym, just like eating your vegetables, just like uh, getting to bed early. So these are, um, these are how you can use these interventions. I've got one more you could do here, and it's called Make a Date. Now, if you want to make that kind of a date, that's up to you, but make a date here really simply means purposefully spend time with somebody. Um, and maybe somebody you don't necessarily always spend time with. It could be somebody, it could be your niece who's maybe 10 and you know you see her every now and again or maybe you see her often but maybe you don't spend time with her specifically. So maybe you're just going to bring her for an ice cream cone, 30 minutes. Maybe it's somebody that you work with and that you think is kind of cool and you know you maybe just kind of go hey in the mornings um, but maybe you want to say you know what should we grab lunch today because I don't really know enough about you and I feel like uh, yeah kind of curious I want to know more that's an example uh, it could be somebody that maybe you see at the gym and you kind of also do the you know in the air COVID fist bump right um, but you might just say, you know what, do you always work out at five? Then how about I'll be here tomorrow at five and uh, yeah, let's do a little bit of training together. That's another example of date. It could also be taking your mom out for lunch. It could be, uh, really it could be anything at all, but it's simply making time for people. So here again, you, you can pick up your phone, go through your WhatsApp list and um, send out an invite to two or three people. Again, you can do this on a weekly basis with different people, but it's also a way to keep you connected to the people in your life and a way to keep these relationships strong so that when you do need them, they are there, but also when you don't need them, you can still enjoy them for what they are. So this is another way you can use the Make a Date PPI. Okay. Um, I'm going to end there and I'm going to open it for questions, but I just want to show you one other thing here, just to alert you to it. Um, so there is currently a lot of research being done in positive psychology across the Middle East. Most people actually don't really know about it. Uh, we do have our very own uh, journal. Uh, it is an academic peer-reviewed journal, so it is kind of nerdy and, you know, there's a lot of studies in there. But um, you can certainly sign up as a reader every time a new issue comes out, and there will be one coming out in the next two weeks. You'll get an email alert, um, and this will do a couple of things. One, it will just um, sort of raise the profile of subjective well-being and give it a bit of a reality. So a lot of people see it as you know just kind of happy faces, but there is a whole science behind it. There's many different aspects to the science of well-being that are quite interesting, culture being one of them.
Um, the other thing though we can also do is just give you an idea of who is doing what in the area. So in this next issue we've got researchers, uh, one in particular in Saudi Arabia who's doing a lot of work on character strengths at the moment. We've also got an article coming out on subjective well-being and the sustainable development goals. So if you're interested in climate change and want to know does that have an impact on our well-being and our mental health, absolutely yes it does. So there's a great article coming out there as well and we've got a couple of other things but uh, feel free to sign up uh, there and to get a bit more information. And of course you're welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm also on Instagram obviously and uh, got a couple of books and a couple of you know what not a little bit of uh, interesting resources and uh, I'm free and interested to answer any of your questions so if there's any uh, pending right now I can certainly take them and uh, yeah we can open hey, Elise, I've, I've got a question that came in on uh, our insta feed a little while ago um, okay. um, the person was asking that how, how do I talk to my current psychologist about introducing uh, this into my program? Yeah, so this is a great question because sometimes the psychologists don't really <laughs> want to go down this path um, because of course once you start teaching people to be happier then they don't necessarily need to keep coming back to therapy because there's a lot of cool stuff that they could start doing on their own. Um, but what I would do is even just I would just say, first of all, do you do positive psychology? Is this uh, an area of practice that you know something about? And is that something that we could look at? Now, you'll kind of get a feel for their response. Uh, and then you could make the decision if you want to go and find a positive psychologist or access more of these resources and do some of that work uh, on your own or you know, through online courses or whatever it happens to be. Um, but I think, you know, there's a lot to be said for, and I used to actually quite like this when my clients did it as well, because it helped me to know, okay, we're done with that topic and now we can move to something else. Um, for them to say, I think I'm ready to move on to talking about happiness now and to be looking for solutions and, and moving beyond and, and past uh, maybe some of these issues, but looking at ways I can build a better life instead of just get away from things that are not necessarily working. So I don't know if that's answered your question. I hope so. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, a slightly related question that also popped up on the feed. Uh, they wanted to know where they can go for more resources uh, specific to the UE. Yeah, um, so specific to the UAE, I mean, obviously there's that academic journal. Um, there's also, I think there may also be resources on the Ministry, the, the Minister of Happiness and Wellbeing website. There, I, I think at one point anyway, they had resources there looking at, you know, what is subjective well-being, um, but also forwarding people on to other resources within the UAE. Uh, as well. There's also the Emirates Center for Happiness Research and that is at the UAEU. Um, so they will also, uh, I know they, they've been conducting uh, a number of webinars particularly since COVID and I think there's resources there as well. They are also on Instagram also. Um, and then after that I think it's really just connecting with different 
practitioners. Uh, there are certainly a number of positive psychology coaches. So looking on LinkedIn, uh, that may also give you some resources there as well. But definitely, I'm all for bibliography. There's a lot of great books by a number of different researchers. I'm happy to send a list along. Um, and one of the things I really like about positive psych researchers is they've been able to translate a lot of their research into just everyday understandable books for people to read. So there's the kind of the nerdy and comprehensible statistics. And then there's also, okay, what does this actually mean in plain English? Um, so they've been able to do that very well. All right, nice. Um, thank you so much. We, we got a DM um, just, just, just now. Uh, someone is asking that, you know, I'm, I've been seeing a, a psychiatrist and I'm on medication for depression. Is this something I should consider or do I just, you know, get myself sorted first? I, so again, um, positive psychology interventions at, at their core were designed for people who are struggling with depression. Uh, that is where they, at, they are at their most powerful. And when we look at studies, when we use PPIs for people who are depressed and people who are not, people who are depressed actually benefit from them more than people who are not, obviously, because they've got a bigger, a bigger range to grow, um, but that's where the biggest impact is. So I would start looking at how do I start building more positive emotional experiences in my life instead of maybe not instead of, but in addition to also reducing those negative emotional experiences. Because if you're only focusing on negative, or sorry, minimizing the negative, you know, that's good. Um, but again, you're just doing half the job. You don't just want a not miserable life. You eventually want to get to an amazing life and being at your best self. And so really learning about these building blocks, uh, I would be like, Go forth. Uh, I, I would be looking at using these strategies right away. Okay, thank you so much. Um, I got a follow-up question. Um, we have a user asking about, uh, is there a directory of practitioners available for like the practitioners in the country? Uh, specific to positive psychology, I am not sure about that. Um, I know there's a number of practitioners who kind of build it in. I don't know if they necessarily call themselves positive psychology practitioners. Uh, what you could do, there is a psychology uh, list serve in the UAE and it goes out to practitioners, researchers, basically anybody in the field. Um, and that organ, the person running that is at Vivamus. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly. V-I-V-A-M-U-S, um, counseling service or psychology services. And they may be able to put you in touch with, uh, you know, who's on that list uh, to get a little bit more information. Another place you could also look is the Middle East Psychology Association. They also have a registry of practitioners, not only in the UAE, but across the region as well. And that may be of help. Also. Okay, that's great. Um, let me just check. I think that's the, um, yep, that's all the questions we've got at the moment. Let me just scroll one more time. If I missed anything. Nope, that's it. Great. Uh, would you that's mind nice. doing like a quick, quick little recap? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, 
minimizing negative emotions, good. Building positive emotions, better. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. So again, it's good not to have a miserable life. Everybody wants that. But I think everybody's intention is, I don't want to have a miserable life. I'd prefer to have a really great and amazing one, but we need the skills to be able to get there. So one of the examples I use is kind of like, um, you know, if your leg is broken, we put a cast on it. Once we take the cast off, your leg is not broken, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're fit enough or strong enough to go run in the Olympics. That's a totally different type of training. And, and that's what positive psychology is. It's the cast and it's the training for an amazing life. So yeah, check out those PPIs and get, uh, get rocking your best life. Good luck, everyone. Okay, great, great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time out to come talk to us. Uh, listeners, I know we have, a, we have a handful on Zoom and we got a couple on our live. My apologies, our live stream server isn't working, so we had to kind of do like a bootleg type of hookup for today. We will have the IGTV posted in a couple of days. Um, so, you know, for if you've missed the first half of it or you want to kind of re go back and recap on what's going on, it'll be available for you. Uh, Luis, thank you so much for taking the time out. Again, appreciate it so much. Love to have you back again. Great. Thank you so much. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.